0: Welcome to Affiliates in Action, September 2016 edition. Affiliates in Action is a program designed to help you get better acquainted with the various affiliates of the American Council of the Blind. On this month's program, the Missouri Council of the Blind and the Randolph Shepherd Vendors of America. Representing the Missouri Council of the Blind, President Denny Huff. And from RSVA, we have Dan Sipple, the president of the organization, as well as second vice president, Artis Basin. all on Affiliates in Action.
1: Hello, Denny Huff. Welcome to Affiliates in Action.
2: Hey, Rick. How's it going?
1: uh, It's going great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and anything you want to talk about the Missouri affiliate, and then we'll have a bunch of questions for you.
2: Okay. Well, you left it wide open there, Rick.
1: I Um, sure did.
2: Goodness, I was born and raised here in Missouri. Um, Actually, the same town I live in right now is the town I was uh, born in. That was about uh, 67 years ago, and uh, I... I lost my sight when I was 24 years old. I was working on a truck tire. It uh, blew up on me and um, woke up five days later in the hospital and found out that I'd never be able to see again. That was uh, back in 1974. And uh, since that time, I've been pretty involved in um, a lot of different areas. Uh, Gospel singing group for about 10 years. Uh, We traveled uh, the Midwest and also... um, just worked for a gentleman out of, uh, Houston, Texas. I was, uh, his advanced man. He did high school assemblies, motivational assemblies, uh, David Stockwell. He was, uh, with Rice university and, uh, worked for him for several years. And I got involved with the Missouri council of the blind back in 2006, I believe it was, um, and started, uh, You know, working with them, I got involved with uh, computers back in 1995, Uh, started working with those, uh, with a gentleman out of uh, Indiana, Uh, got a contract with the uh, Lighthouse for the Blind out of Washington, D.C., and started uh, doing training at IRS and Social Security all over the country, then started my own business in uh, 2006 called Gateway for the Blind, and I pretty well just uh, cover the state of Missouri right now. have five visually impaired people working for me, doing training for me. I uh, have a contract with Rehab Services for the Blind and also Missouri Assistive Technology. Still do some contract work with uh, Columbia Lighthouse for the Blind. All uh, computer-related assessments and uh, the training and, you know, how all that stuff goes. And that's what keeps me busy. Um, mainly, of course, keeping busy with Missouri Council of the Blind. I tell you, it's a, a great organization. I'm proud to be a part of it. Um, I was elected as president in 2008, uh, served for two terms to 2012, and uh, termed out and ran again in 2014. And uh, president right now, up for re-election this year, next month actually, and uh, not sure if I'll get it or not, but uh, I'm going to try again for another two years. And I tell you, uh, Missouri. Is probably the best state, I think, in the union to be a blind person in. We have a lot of different programs available uh, statewide, uh, not just with MCB, but with uh, with the state itself. We have Missouri Assistive Technology that provides uh, training and software for legally blind people at no charge. We also have uh, the Blind Pension, uh, which is a monthly. Uh, stipend that uh, legally blind qualified people get. We have a great rehab services for the blind. And of course, we have Missouri Council of the Blind. Within Missouri Council of the Blind, we have uh, some programs that are really beneficial not only to our members, but also to um, any legally blind resident of Missouri. Uh, We don't limit limit these programs to just our members, but anyone that's uh, legally blind and a resident of Missouri can partake of these programs. One is a um, adaptive technology, 50, 50 grant. We will pay up to $3,000, uh, to a person purchasing adaptive technology. Um, that's once every three years that they, they allowed up to $3,000 matching grant. We have a summer camp program, probably our most popular program, where we subsidize the cost of going to a week long camp in, um, Up in Steelville, Missouri, kind of mid-Missouri, it's on the Merrimack River uh, called Cobblestone Lodge. It uh, it runs about $525 uh, for a person to go to camp, but we subsidize that, and the person attending only pays $80 uh, for the week-long camp, uh, which includes all their food, uh, lodging, entertainment, uh, recreation, everything. It's a great program that uh, we usually have A little over 200 people a year participate in that. We also have the scholarships for uh, legally blind students uh, wishing to pursue uh, more education. They uh, are entitled to $2,000 scholarship if they qualify. We have a special services program. If somebody's refrigerator goes out on, they have a, a leak in their roof. They need a little extra money to pay for electric bill or gas bill. We'll uh, help them out with uh, $500, uh, what we call special services. We also have youth services where we help uh, young people in high school, grade school, preschool uh, to purchase educational uh, items for them to help them compete with their sighted peers. So it's, those are the main programs that we have, guys, and um, we um, have had those for many years, and Uh, You know, requires a pretty good budget to to operate that. We do have a thrift store in Springfield, Missouri that we get some income from. But most of it is from donations, from uh, fundraisers. We have a um, um, convention coming up in October, be our 60th anniversary that we're celebrating this year. And this year, we're trying something just a little different. We're asking for sponsorships from different businesses and organizations around the state. That's working out really well for us this year. We've uh, raised a little over $10,000 just in sponsorships so far. And uh, that will help offset the cost of the convention. And we have our banquet uh, Saturday night that we have Charlie Brennan, who is a uh, morning show talk show host for KMOX Radio. Uh, they're the home station for the Cardinals uh, ballgame, Cardinals Network. Charlie Brennan's been with KMOX for about 28 years, very well known. He's written a few books, but he'll be our guest MC that evening. And our guest speaker that evening for the banquet will be Judge Richard Tidelman, who is a blind Missouri Supreme Court judge. So we're anxious to have him. We'll have a silent auction. We'll have the, the good banquet and uh, strolling violinists and uh, just all kinds of things going on for the banquet. We have a full line of uh, guest speakers for the for the entire convention, which uh, will run Friday afternoon through Sunday morning. And we will be streaming that on our server, uh, moblind.org forward slash audio. If anybody would like to tune in, that's in... October the 7th, 8th, and 9th. And also, uh, you probably are aware that uh, we are, we will be hosting the 2018 ACB convention in St. Louis. And we really thank Janet uh, Dickelman for working with us on getting that secured and uh, hosting that. I tell you, if you've never been to Missouri, there's a lot, uh, a lot of history in the St. Louis area especially. Uh, I'm looking forward to hosting that and, and showing off what uh, missouri has you know we have uh, major cities st louis kansas city uh the two major ones but we also have a lot of rural areas um, especially north st louis not a large, lot of large towns and uh, that's kind of hard to serve them we do have 23 affiliates statewide and uh, about 700 members uh, in missouri council of the blind wow and all of them i tell you we just uh we just really uh, enjoy working with all these affiliates and all the individual members, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to be um, to be a part of MCB and what we're doing uh, with the advocacy and legislation and all the programs we offer. So that's it. Is I don't, hope I didn't drag on too much, but that kind of tells you what we're up to.
1: No, that, that, that's great. I mean, I was going to ask you. Um, I know your membership. What last I heard, it was around 600 hundred's outstanding. And it's clear with all those programs uh, how you can attract people, and, and, and that's really great. Uh, how are you doing attracting young people?
2: That is something that we're working on. I just approached uh, Naomi Sewell um, last week. I don't, she used to be on the ACB board. Um, she's going to head up a um, committee on a convention that we're going to have just for young people next year. Uh, We've set aside uh, several thousand dollars in our budget to to do this. she will be working with other organizations. And, Rick, that's one thing that we try to do at MCB is work with other organizations around the state, uh, like-minded organizations. We have St. Louis Lighthouse for the Blind, uh, Alpha Point out of Kansas City, Mind's Eye Radio, which is the – Uh, Talking Book Radio, I guess you would call it, out of, uh, they're in Illinois, actually, but they serve the St. Louis area. Then the Kansas Audio Network out of um, uh, Kansas City, Kansas. They serve the Kansas City, Missouri area. Uh, St. Louis Society for the Blind and many other organizations that we collaborate with on many different activities. And the youth activity is not going to be any different. We'll, We'll incorporate all of those organizations together to, and of course, the main emphasis for us will be promoting mcb and uh, providing services for them that uh, for the young people we'll probably go with uh, like 15 to 25 years old and uh, we're we're bringing in some young people now uh but like most organizations the average age for mcb is probably about 60. <laughs> so you know i i feel like i'm one of the younger guys in mcb
0: well, you have to convince younger people, first of all, uh, that, that they need you and not only do you need them, but they need you as well. And I know, uh, when I was really young, that was a really hard sell and as time went on, it became an easier sell.
2: Well, I think a lot of times young people don't realize what they have today here in Missouri is because of the work that MCB, the forerunners of MCB has done like alpha Murphy, um, Alma Murphy. And, um, oh, I can't think of the other lady's name, uh, but y'all know who I'm talking about probably. And, uh, you know, they did a lot of work to have what we have today. And the young people need to realize that advocating for the blind, uh, we didn't get these things just because, uh, the, the legislators felt sorry for us and just gave it to us. We had to, we had to fight for a lot of this stuff. So, um, uh, it, it is important, Rick, that, uh, they understand what we're for and what we're about. And advocation is one of the primary things that we do every year.
1: Yeah, certainly everything that we're able to achieve with advocacy if we don't continue to uh, pursue things. I mean, they're very, um, uh, they have a tendency of going away if we we fall asleep at the wheel. So uh, it's not a static process by any stretch of the imagination. What are some of the big legislative issues you're dealing with in Missouri at the moment?
2: Well, at the moment, um, we're trying to have it where um, if a young person puts on their um, report that they need Braille, that that Braille will be provided to them by the schools, whether it be uh, you know, Missouri School for the Blind. Of course, they do that anyway, but a lot of young people are mainstreaming now, and their schools just don't provide for them what they need, and uh, Braille is very important for any blind person to, to learn, but especially for these young people. And they think they don't need it, but uh, they do. I mean, if you don't know Braille, you're essentially illiterate. And we want uh, these teachers and schools to know that if they want Braille, they need to be provided Braille. That's one of the issues that we uh, are fighting for. And uh, also the uh, voting machines, accessible voting machines, we have those during the federal election, but not all precincts provide them at local elections. And we want that to be mandatory uh, throughout the state that uh, all precincts do provide the um, accessible voting machines in local and uh, state and federal elections. Um, That's... Those are the main ones I can think of right now, Rick. I know there'll be some other ones that will be coming up this, uh, this next, uh, term, but, uh, I don't know for sure what they'll be.
0: Well, you know what, even if you, even if you don't know, somebody else will be able to figure something out
2: to, oh, I'm sure. to deal with, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a few years ago, uh, I mentioned the blind pension earlier. Um, some of the legislators decided that, uh, the blind pension recipients didn't need the, um, the medical coverage that comes with that. And they tried to take that away from us, I believe, back in 2012. Chris Gray, uh, I guess you guys know Chris Gray, who is our executive director, uh, former president of ACB. And he and I and uh, many of the other organizations around the state really went to work and uh we got charlie brennan uh, who i mentioned earlier as a talk show host for camel x radio uh he got on our side and fought for us and uh we we defeated the legislators uh with uh, them taking out the medical coverage so you can get together band together and join together and fight and uh actually accomplish something if you really put your mind to it so I, i encourage any state that has an issue uh, for the blind, if you'll work together with other organizations, other like-minded organizations, and get somebody powerful on your side, uh, boy, you can accomplish a lot. You really can.
1: Denny, what presence does MCB have at the national level?
2: Uh, we do have uh, some members that are um, serve on committees. Chip Haley, who is, uh, I believe he serves with Denise Coley on the uh, awards committee. And, uh, Deanna Noriega serves on a, on a committee or two. Um, I'm not sure about, uh, um, Mountie. Um, I can't think of her first name right now. I, <laughs> I dated a girl in high school, last name Mountie and her name keeps coming up. <laughs> that was a long time ago. What but, it, what uh, is it about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, um, and, uh, of course, Peter, um, with the arts and entertainment. Oh, Peter
1: Altschul, um, sure. sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I know there's some others probably that, uh, that serve on, uh, committees, different committees, but, uh, those in the, are the, are the ones. And of course we participate every year in the, uh, um, legislation and president seminar in, in February. Uh, we always send representatives there to, to work with ACB on that level. You know, we're always willing to work with the ACB in whatever way we can. We did participate in the, Pizza Hut fundraising that they had in back in May, I believe it was, uh, we're always willing to work with them in any way we can. They just need to let us know what we need to do. And, uh, we'll be glad to do it. Uh, I was, uh, going to ask, uh,
0: basically about, uh, about people in uh, Missouri who aren't involved in your organization in MCB, how do folks in the state who'd like to be a part of MCB. How do they get to you so they can either join or get more information about your affiliate?
2: Well, there's several ways they could, um, they go to our webpage, uh, which is moblind.org, M-O-B-L-I-N-D.org. Uh, they can go there. They can look us up on Facebook, which is, uh, Missouri blind. Um, we all, we're also on Twitter and, um, I I forget what that address is, but uh, Missouri Blind will probably get that also on Twitter. Um, They could give us a call at the um, office um, or they can call me. My toll free number is 855 832 7172. They can email me, dhuff at moblind.org. Those are some of the ways that they can. They can come to our convention next month, which will be at the uh, Sheraton Westport chalet in st louis um again that's uh, october the 7th 8th and 9th and we'll have uh, a lot of vendors there that they can go by and look at uh, their equipment and a lot of guest speakers from different organizations coming in if they want to get involved with mcb that's a good place to start is at our convention and we do reach out to them we you know uh, we have a lot of members at large that um don't live close to an affiliate. So if they're not close to an affiliate, um, they can always become a member at large. The application is online and gosh, Rick, um, you know, there's plenty of ways to get a hold of us. If they really want to be, you know, a part of MCB, we sure won't turn them away. We welcome anyone.
0: And plenty of ways to uh, get involved once they've done that. I'm sure.
2: Yes, sure is. We've got a young man, out of Kansas City, called me today and um, wants to get involved in the emergency preparedness uh, portion of it. He's uh, a karate guy and um, wants to know more about MCB and how to get involved and uh, wants to do some videos on protecting yourself and different things like that. So we're anxious to, to work with him. Uh, so, yeah, it's, there's always something to do with MCB.
1: Great. Hey, D- Denny, where is the convention going to be in 2018, the national convention? It'll be in
2: St. Louis, yeah, at the uh, Doubletree Hotel at Union Station in St. Louis, Missouri. And I just heard on the news uh, last week, I believe, that they're putting in a multi-million dollar aquarium within Union Station. So that'll be a pretty neat attraction right there within itself. But uh, we... It's a great location. Uh, I think the rates are going to be really good. Um, I think it's only eighty-nine dollars a night, and that's that's great for uh, for that type of hotel that we're going to be in. So this I'll is be, but, this
1: is literally an old train station, right?
2: Yes, it is. Uh huh. Yes.
1: No, oh, that's Union Station. Wow.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's going to be a lot to do in St. Louis. Uh, of course, we have the Gateway Arch and uh, the Cardinals, and uh, a lot of history, uh, historical museums, and uh, I, you know, I'm going to leave it up to your old tour director to what tours they pick <laughs> out. But, uh, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot to choose from. There really is. And people can get out on their own. I just saw today, uh, got a news thing from uh, Fox, uh, TV that the St. Louis zoo has been voted the number one free attraction in the country. Uh, so that's, it is a great zoo. I think it's the number three three zoo in the nation but it's a number one free attraction in the in the country Wow! So that's don't a,
0: imagine a how you rate zoos i don't know i guess number <laughs> monkey you
2: have i don't know <laughs> <laughs> they do have uh quite a quite a nice zoo for you know for no admission charge uh it's a very very nice zoo um it's been a couple of years since i've been down there but i know they make improvements all the time and they, uh, as I said, they're number number three in the nation. I believe Omaha is number one, and uh, Zoo in California is number two, and then St. Louis is number three. But uh, it's it's a nice place. And there's just so many places around, Missouri, around St. Louis that uh, people can go and visit and just really take in the history. And, of course, you know, it's the gateway to the West. A lot of settlers that went out West came through uh, St. Louis, and uh, it just— Chock full of uh, of history. Charlie Brennan wrote a good book about uh, about the history of St. Louis.
1: What does uh, Missouri Council do in the way of publications?
2: We have a um, quarterly publication called the Missouri Chronicle, and just uh, just last year, well, actually this year, I believe uh, March, uh, was our first publication that we put out on uh, Daisy format. Uh, we have a cartridge that people can subscribe to. Uh, we send them a cartridge every three months with the Missouri Chronicle on it, and uh, it's uh, it's we've got a reader from Minds Eye Radio that records it. Professional guy, does a great job, and uh, it's uh, it's our um, our publication, the Missouri Chronicle. James uh, Hollins is our editor, and has been for several years, and does a good job with it, and a lot of a lot of good articles. And John Wheelock has that lower left-hand drawer with a lot of good information. About uh, you know technology and just different things available to the blind, and so it's a it's a good publication, and people can get that online too. They can go to MoBlind.org, uh, go to the Chronicle, and they can download that Daisy uh, format right, directly to their iPhone or to their computer and uh, listen to it online. That's great,
1: Denny. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to tell our listeners about uh, MoBlind?
2: again, i'm I'm just so proud to be a part of it., uh, It's a great organization. It's a great organization to be involved with ACB, and uh, we we look forward to to serving a lot more blind people around the state and around the country.
1: Well, hey, Denny, thank you so much. This has been uh, hey, such a pleasure to have you. It's been very informative, and uh, we uh, i I don't know uh for our listeners but i certainly look forward to that convention in 2018 i i happened to be um at the board meeting uh, a couple years ago when the uh that hotel actually made their presentation they sent a recording in about about the hotel um for their sales presentation and man oh man that place sounds really cool yeah it
2: is it's a nice place not very nice facility
1: put an aquarium Uh, in there and my god good stuff
2: yeah I think they're supposed to put a roller coaster in there, too. I'm not sure, but uh, there you, oh. they oh, had talked even, about that. But even, the, even, uh, even, the aquarium be ready by 2018, that's for sure, though.
1: Yeah, even better with the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Denny. Thank,
2: Thank you, guys.
0: Rick and I also recently had the privilege of interviewing two folks from the Randolph Shepherd Vendors of America, President Dan Sipple and Second Vice President Artist Space. Here is that interview on
1: Affiliates in Action. We have Dan Sippel, the president of RSVA, on the phone, along with Artist Bazin, and we'll let Artist introduce herself here in a minute. Dan, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit, a little bit about RSVA?
3: Yeah, I'm uh, from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It's uh, up in West Central, Wisconsin, just uh, about 90 miles uh, east of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I run a, a vending route in old Claire, I have a hundred and one vending machines out um and through the Randolph Shepherd program. And I I am president of the Randolph Shepherd Vendors of America RSVA and our organization that advocates for the Randolph Shepherd vendors. Um I'm involved in um our uh, local Kiwanis club, past president, soon to be president, again president, and then all the Wisconsin Council of Blind and Visually Impaired and stuff, um, primarily advocacy roles and um, securing legislation uh, for blindness issues overall. As you know, the Randolph Shepard Program has been in effect since 1943 under federal law, and it's just a marvelous opportunity for blind and visually impaired people to, uh, own their own business with the assistance of the, the federal and the state governments and priority we have for food service in all federal buildings and in most states, uh, state buildings. And it's just a fantastic opportunity to be an entrepreneur without a lot of um, personal investment, uh, monetary investment, uh, which would you know, put your family at risk.
1: Artis, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your your history with RSVA and uh, how you're involved with RSVA at the moment?
4: I started in the Randolph Shepherd program a long time ago. <laughs> I was a vendor for over twenty five years. I first was a vendor in South Dakota, then I moved to Iowa, and had five locations in Iowa. Well, oh, actually four locations in Iowa, um, three locations in South Dakota before I moved. I got out of the program when I moved to California in 1999. Uh, While I was a vendor, I went back to college and got my master's in education. And I had trained people while I was a vendor in the vending program and also done speaking for lots of different groups, uh, particularly schools and Christian groups. So after I got my master's, I felt I could help RSVA just as much by working with business people to help them improve. So I stayed in RSVA because I think it's a wonderful program, uh, particularly for uh, people, when they start out, they don't really know what they want to do for a job, and it's really hard for a blind person to get into the job market. It's not an easy way to go. You have to be willing to work. Most vending facilities, particularly startups, you're spending you know, 10, 12-hour days to get things going. And once you're a good vendor, you sometimes can get a location that will require less hours, or you can get a large enough location that you can have people working under you so you can take the time off you wish. So it's an incredible program. My facilities ranged from a snack bar one person to working at the Capitol building in Pierce, South Dakota, where I had 13 employees. Uh, my final location was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, at a post office where, at its best time, I had 57 vending machines in 13 different buildings. So that's kind of where I went. So after I finished um, moving, I started another business, Bayesian Communications, where I do speaking, writing, and business coaching. And in that capacity, I help a lot of small businesses to improve their business so they know where to go in the future. As far as with RSVA right now, I'm a second vice president. And I'm a big behind-the-scenes person in RSVA. I work with um, several committees. I do a lot of legwork for the conferences I help put together the Sagebrush Conference with a committee of vendors uh, from RSVA and also the summer convention on the liaison with uh, ACB for RSVA. So I do a lot of the, the conference stuff. I also am the chair of the Publications Committee, and we put out the Vendorscope magazine four times a year. And we're pretty consistently on time. Uh, Those issues come out April 1st, June 1st, September 1st, and December 1st. And in that publication, we uh, print all kinds of articles, legislative articles, conference articles, updates that people in the Render Showprint program would be interested in And um, I also write a What's New column, which gives lots of input about new products and services for blind people in specific.
0: For those uh, vendors that aren't a part of your affiliate, what is being a part of your affiliate to uh, do for them? I assume networking, probably lots of information. What's the difference between kind of going it alone and uh, just kind of... um, (laughs) Um, operating uh, just by yourself and having the uh, affiliate behind you. My answer
3: to that would be: um, I've been in the program uh, over seventeen years now, and prior to that, I was a, a state employee. I was consumer fraud investigator Wake our grand investigator state of Wisconsin, and I got into the program as my third time they offered me a lifetime. They offered me right out of high school, and than when I retired from the state because of my loss of vision. And having worked with business people most of my life, I had somewhat of an understanding of business, but never really thought about the food service or the vending side of things. And so as things would come up in the first couple of years, um, I'd call, say, three different vendors in Wisconsin. I'd call the state agency and, uh, basically asked the same question and I'd probably if I called three people I probably got three different answers how do I decide which is right so then that's why I, I went to Sagebrush and I thought oh alright now we got the experts here we got the people that have been around for a long time and, get the, and I was very comfortable with the answers that I had to these questions ongoing you know, basic questions and so so the, yeah you're right The networking is so critical but then as as I became more and more involved, um, I realized that the, the advocacy of RSVA is so critical. And in RSVA, we we like to earn our respect. We don't demand our, any respect from anyone. We earn it. And uh, we've fought off many battles over the years. Private sector to take, wanting to take some of our locations, you know, because you know, some of our locations are quite lucrative, our military dining contracts. Highway rest areas, and, and certain large corporate entities, to have access this. So, so they have, they approach the legislators on uh, whether it be on a state level or a federal level, and and we're we're there, we're there when this comes up, and we, we stay acquainted with our legislators, um, and the staffs. So that if someone brings uh, forth a uh, try to promulgate a, a law restricting our, uh, our right of priority under the Randall Shepard Act. We're there to answer to it, and we're there to stand up for it. And we've been very successful. I'll probably give you in my lifetime, there's just there's hundreds of stories across the nation in my lifetime, about four years ago, in the state's Wisconsin budget was a proposal buried in the budget to privatize our state highway arrest areas. And we didn't learn about it until the eleventh hour. Because it was buried in the budget and there was no fiscal note attached to it, so it didn't draw anyone's attention. And uh, our lobbyist Gary Guenke said, "Hey, Dan, you know the, the, the administration wants to take over, you know, privatized uh, Iowa rest area, which employs a lot, a lot of blind vendors across the country, but not lot in Wisconsin. And so the process, and most states have a process where they have um, a joint finance committee, and they have legal uh, around the state holding hearings on the." Proposed budget that the governor brings forth, and so I went and testified in the. All you get is two minutes to testify, so you got to choose your words very carefully. And um, and what testified that at the eighth hearing because we didn't find out more until we were just six hearings in the process. The very next day, the governor withdrew that proposal out of the
1: budget. Yeah, Dan R S V A. By the way, is known as putting on one hell of a party. Um, <laughs> yeah. your presence was very definitely felt at the convention this year. You know, there were signs everywhere to the RSVA suite, go here, go there. Um, but, oh, yeah. uh, uh, but, you know, all that's great. Uh, we know that, uh, from a national uh, standpoint, you guys contribute a lot. Um, I, I know your, uh, your money finds its way into, into various coffers within uh, ACB national and that's great. Um, want to uh, express my condolences uh, for the loss of Philo too. Um, I know he was a very very important member uh, of uh, RSVA and had a lot to do with Sagebrush. But I know he contributed a lot more than that to the, to the vendors and everything. You mentioned Sagebrush a little bit. Could you talk to us a little bit about Philo and and Sagebrush, if you would please?
3: Yeah, Philo, too, um, we're still in, in the morning stage with the Philo. I mean, we did, uh, we probably never will get over the loss of Philo. He's a, just a fantastic man. Um, you know, if there's something needs to be done, he's a very busy man, but, you know, the old saying, if you need something done, go to a busy man, go to a busy person to get it done. That was probably described Philo that if you need something done, ask him it, get done. Uh, one way or another, he um, was, you know, Fantastic negotiator. Uh, He knew the right avenues to approach things and take care. And he stepped up um, with his abilities, but also with his resources. Because he runs the airport uh, concessions in Honolulu Airport in Hawaii. And uh, so he had the financial resources uh, to help out. And he was not afraid to use those financial resources. He's very generous. And uh, when something, as you know, as you know, advocacy uh, costs money, Phil was always there for us. And we said, "Yeah, we need to do that. Let's get it done. Whatever you need, I'll take care of it." We'll never get over the loss of Phil. Uh, he was a very courageous man. He had fought off, um, you know, cancer for quite a number of years, and he never gave up hope to right, uh, the very last breath. Uh, and so, uh, just. At this coming Sagebrush, which we always, uh, we've hit, been holding in Las Vegas um, for the last 20 years or so, and, and we've been at the Golden Nugget downtown hotel. It's a four-and-a-half-star facility, rated facility. We've been there for the last uh, eight or nine years. The staff just adores Philo because he was there to help them all, too, and helping their staff work. He educated them very well blindness issues in which, you know, what we like and what we dislike. And uh, he's just, he a, 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 I can just see when we come back to the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas in February, you know, we miss him dearly now, but it's going to re- really be felt this February because it'll be the first stage breath without Philo.
4: We even uh, named our slot tournament now the Philo 2 slot tournament because he it was his idea that created having fundraiser as a slot tournament with the Golden Nugget and he was the one that negotiated it with the Golden Nugget for us to have it and this will be our, I believe, fourth year
3: I I think I'd like to highlight too Phil was very, very important to RSVA, but he's equally as important to ACB, American Council of the Blind him and Warren uh, they founded um, the Hawaii Association of the Blind they kept their their hands full. They they were busy. Uh, if it had a, it a blindness group, uh, person or a group needed something, they were there and they had their expertise and their advice and whatever it took to get the mission accomplished in a very very diplomatic way.
0: One question I have is, and and I'm sure both of you will have. Uh, well, maybe even different perspectives on this question, and that is how has the situation for vending stand operators changed since you began in the field?
3: Vending has changed dramatically since 1943, when the law was first passed. At that time, it was primarily newspaper stands and then uh, against snack bars, and that evolved. Um, into as vending machines became part of the scene, we got involved in vending snack bars are still around but they're kind of fading away. Uh, newspaper stands pretty much faded away, um, and then we evolved into you know we vending machines. You know we still and then we evolved full fledged cafeterias, and then we evolved into also continue to evolve into military dining contracts where we have contracts with the Department of Defense where we. Feed an entire camp of a you know military post all their uh, all three meals a day seven days a week. As all of our lives evolve and change, um, the vending and food service has um, evolved uh, over the last probably twelve years. And with the ad- advent of um, healthy vending, it's uh, really picked up a lot of traction here in the last what, four or five six years. So. People are becoming more and more health conscious because of our current national, world political administration. Uh, and they're becoming more and more aware. But also, we have to change what we offer. Um, I guess, uh, and that's very evident. You know, some people may feel that uh, the government regul- the regulators are forcing healthy eating. That's really not true. They're educating people, um, and they, I will always give the typical example. When I started out 17 years ago, I had 35 snack machines, and I sold about a case of Snickers bars a week. And and now I have um, 80 snack machines, and I still only sell a case of Snickers bars a week. People are are looking more health-conscious. That There's a lot of issues that evolve with that, is the cost of healthier items is uh, quite a bit more significant than the traditional snack items and beverage items and stuff. So we're constantly, and that's, that's what we do at Sagebrush. We try to bring these experts in from private sector, from, uh, from Washington, DC, various state levels as to how can you cope with these changing trends? How do you uh, make these adjustments and what, what works for one? What was it? And we as small business people, and you know, we are truly small business people, uh, we don't have the resources to get involved in everything, but State Press try to pull it all together and keep everybody uh, apprised of the, the, the changing trends. Because something comes up, and every year, like, and I think artists can attest to the fact. Artist um, is you know she you know, professional writer, so she pretty much handles our agenda for us for State pressure, our national Conference. And we always leave a slot or two open. On the agenda, because of uh, hot hot issues that may come up in January or early February, I mean, we, within a week prior to the state rush, we some some issue will come up, in whether it be Washington or, or some various state or wherever, you know, that we have to bring in a professional speaker to address that issue, and so keep our our membership and attendees apprised of what's going on and how they can um, adjust to those changes and. Uh, societal attitude, its political attitude, the the whole gamut of things that go on internally within one's mind.
4: I've been around a little longer in the vending program than uh, Dan, but I also remember snack bars used to be one of the biggest type of operations as well as cafeterias, and now most states don't have very many cafeterias left. In fact, many states don't have any cafeterias. And if they do, they're just in large facilities, and they're not the old-style cafeteria where you had one line. They're the ones with multiple stations. And a lot of them are even styled after like what malls do with different companies, even selling things. And a lot of military facilities are doing that kind of uh, cafeteria or food service type one thing that also has transpired through the years is most uh, states have a lot of vending facilities where it's just vending machines. And in fact, I think there's a couple of states that only have um, facilities that have vending machines. So that that's been one change. Another change has been away from cash. In the past, cash was the only... Accepted rate of working with customers. And the last, oh, probably 15 years now, there's more and more places that will take credit cards as well as vending machines um, taking credit cards. That's why it's really vital for us to have a lot of education both at the summer convention and the Sagebrush Conference because things are ever-changing, and the only way a person is going to stay in business is if they keep up with the changes and priorities.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you go about raising funds and how some of that money is used?
3: We have a um, bingo hall in New Orleans, Louisiana, run uh, by uh, one of the members, members Cherry Camberdell, And this bingo hall... Uh, Really provides the funds for us to uh, to do this advocacy work that we also um, do arrange um, uh, national accounts where we'll uh, secure rebates from various manufacturers uh, and we uh, share those rebates or the members share their rebates with with our uh, uh, as they buy their products uh, for the cafeteria or for the vending the vending location um, but uh the main stewards is our bingo hall, uh, and it's you know, to, I would like to see, personally, a lot more ACB affiliates and even R C A affiliates um, launch more bingo halls around the country. Granted, bingo halls uh, are gaming situations and regulated right by not only by the federal uh, government and regulation in regulation in a very strict way, but a lot of states uh, augment those federal regulations and put more restrictions on. You know, if we can do it, why can't other affiliates do it? Why can't another group of mine people get involved in um, you know a um, stable, stable income source? The rebates are great, but the the, the stability of them isn't as good as what our bingo hall is because we can project that uh, a little better. And we, you know, I was just bent on the. Blinded Veterans Association, a very, very powerful and influential um, blindness group, all blind veterans, had their national conference in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to you know, and RCA was one of the sponsors. So we were there, and we did our usual. We got people together. We became acquainted with people. It, there was like 15, 12 or 15 uh, federal and state legislators there. So, I mean, we couldn't pass up an opportunity like that to, to network with with our um, congressional leaders,
4: one of the things that we have is we have a uh, quite a few members who, on an ongoing basis, do the MMM program, which is, you know, the member support program through ACB. And so half of those funds then go to RSVA and half go to ACB. We also have a lot of people who have life memberships. You can get a President's Life Membership in RSVA for $1,000 and get recognition at the convention and a plaque. But you can also get a lower-cost Life Membership for $200. We also have at Sagebrush, the last few years we've had our slot tournament. All the proceeds from what we get from that go to RSVA because the hotel actually donates the prizes. So we don't have to provide the prizes for that. So that's a fundraiser. Um, We also do raffles at both the Sagebrush and the National Convention um, 50-50 raffle. And then at the National Convention, we also do a couple other fundraisers. We have... Uh, typically done a either comedy night and karaoke or some other kind con- of combination of event. We've gone to having a night that we go to a casino in the area and then we provide the bus and go there and people can go and that's a uh, fundraiser.
1: Dan, I got a real kick out of your email. You said you couldn't do it tonight because you're going to prison.
4: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so so I, I, I take it you've got some vending machines in the in the local prison.
3: Yeah. Um I actually have two prisons, one um, with 50, 50 inmates and another with 450 inmates. It's easy to to service the prisons we in Wisconsin because we have a mini Randolph Shepard Act and most states have a mini Randolph Shepard Act. That's so we have a right priority first rate right prison in all state prisons and all federal prisons. And um, when these visitors come in, you know they're there to visit with their family or friends who are incarcerated. And uh, prison food is generally, generally very, very bland because of all the dietary needs of the inmates. So we bring something in with a little spice and flavor to it they can't get enough of
1: it, and and you have uh, a captive, so, and you have a captive audience.
3: Exactly, we got a, a totally captive audience. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just one of the opp- that's just one of the many opportunities.
1: What's going on with the DoD?
3: Okay, um, the Department of Defense. Uh, we, as we we have um, a military dining contract where we serve uh, do the food service for the troops on the most military bases. The DOD would um, like to uh, ignore, uh, be blunt about ignore, the randolph Shepherd priority. And so they, the randolph Shepherd Act is a federal statute. And so DOD, through rulemaking process, is trying to subrogate or abrogate the um, randolph Shepherd Act. Well, as you know, Ministry of Code cannot override that uh, federal statute. And so, DoD's proposed put out this proposed rulemaking. So, you, we got together, RSA, got together with the leadership in ACB, and we pr- wrote our comments saying, "Hey, this, this is contrary to federal law." But then we went um, also to the Blind Veterans Association, and they wrote a, a this similar, you know, uh, comments opposing the rule and pointing out why the Department of Defense rulemaking is contrary to law and how it would damage the lives uh, and livelihood of uh, blind, blind blind, individuals and their families. And we employ a lot of people, and we employ a lot of other disabilities, but we also that we create a lot of other jobs around the country, and this could have a serious impact on the entire disability community, let alone the blindness community. So we're really glad to see ACP partner with us on the on the comments at DOD, and then um, with the help of a good friend of mine here, a uh, the State Association of Blind Vendors, blind you know, and they met, and now we all know Melanie Brunson, who is the legislative liaison for PVA right now. She wrote a comment. So it, it was just a marvelous partnership between RSVA, ACB, and BVA. And uh, we won't know the outcome of it you know, DOD um, has been fighting this Randall Shepherd act uh, for a long time. And we doubt that they're going to go away just that quickly. But I think uh, the papers that were submitted to them, and we're sharing with our legislators now and we're sharing it with the U.S. Department of Education and whoever we can out there to get the word out of that DOD um, is trying to ignore federal statutes. Uh, and that, that, Battle's been going on, Uh, it's not likely to subside here uh, in the near future, but we never know. We just have to keep trying, and that's the the values that belong to RCVA and to ACB, and if you're a veteran, as you know, many blind people don't have the privilege or the honor of being a veteran, Uh, and so it's important that we work closely with them and that they work closely with us on all these issues.
0: And I picture that there are people listening who may be young folks, newly blind folks, who may be thinking about, well, I wonder if this whole vending stand thing is is for me. Is it? Is it really what I ought to be doing? What, uh, what does it take to do this? And uh, so my question is, what kind of guidance do you offer to those people and how do people reach you?
3: We need the younger generation to take our places. Um, and then I was already going to say we're not going to get any younger. And uh, so we're, we're reaching out to ACB affiliates, uh, to Blank Ventures uh, affiliate, and, uh, to bring the younger generation in to take our places. And we want to expand. Outside of government facilities, into the private sector, they guess' look at the sites too, that could support a blind uh, person and their family. So why we expand? We've, we've got the experience. We've got the network set up you know, through ACP and RCA and us, where we can train people. And there's minimal, minimal financial investment.:
4: On our website, we have a list of our board of directors. And people can contact anyone on the board of directors to ask about uh, the Randolph Shepherd program. Also, they can check out the uh, Randolph Shepherd website. We have it's under RandolphShepherd.org or RSVA.biz. Um, they both go to the, the same site, but it's a way to learn a lot about the um, Randolph Shepherd program itself. Uh, Laws. There's links to all of our conferences. There's uh, links to a lot of uh, business resources, uh, blindness resources, a lot of different information on there. And of course, any of us are always willing to talk to somebody that's interested in the Randolph Shepherd program.
1: Well,
3: hey, And, and as you mentioned earlier, as you mentioned earlier, Rick, you know, we like to party. We work hard, but when we party, we party hard. <laughs> uh, so, just come, come on, join us at Come on, join us and to uh, get involved, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun together. I've
1: seen it firsthand, so I know you can. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: I've seen it firsthand, and of uh, course,
4: we're going to we're yeah. going to want ACB Radio, obviously, to do our streaming again this coming year. Well, there you go. So <laughs> people can listen to. A lot of the things, if they're calling, you know, call in from home on to um, ACV radio and find out information if they can't afford to attend in person. But, of course, in person is always better. <laughs>
1: thank, thank you for that so that we didn't, yeah. do, we didn't have to do a shameless plug.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dan and Artis, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Absolutely. And uh, good luck with everything.
0: Thank you for listening to Affiliates in Action. And our thanks also go out to Missouri Council, the Blind President, Denny Hopp, along with our friends from the Randolph Shepard vendors of America, President Dan Sipple and Second Vice President, Art and Space. And thank you for listening to Affiliates in Action. On behalf of Rick Morin, I'm Rick Lewis.